Have you ever dreamed of going to Hollywood and making it big? Well, these are the stories of people who have made it, just in a different way. They're the unsung heroes behind the screens that make movies and television come to life. Welcome to the Right Scuff podcast, where we talk about films and interview those who are just starting their careers to some of the biggest names in production and post-production. Our mission is to inspire you through the true stories of people who have achieved their dreams. We'll be talking to Foley artists, screenwriters, sound editors, picture editors, the list goes on. And for film fans, we'll be focusing on sound and what it takes to create Foley. Hi, I'm Sarah. I'm a writer. And I'm John, a professional Foley artist in the film business for over 40 years. He's worked on over 500 films and is a 37-time nominated and 9-time MPSD winner for big titles such as Inception, The Matrix, and The Dark Knight. You can find us online at rightscuff.com and please be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes. Hi guys, real quick before we jump into this podcast, I just want to apologize. There's a bit of a whine in this episode and we had mentioned a couple episodes previous that we had an equipment malfunction. This was one of the episodes that had happened on, so I apologize. I hope you guys enjoy. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to another episode of the Right Scuff podcast. Thank you everyone for tuning in and we have a very special guest today. We're really excited about this episode. With us today we have Catherine Clark, granddaughter of Jack Foley. So hi Catherine, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Happy to be here. Yay, we're happy to have you. Thank you. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and then we'll go into questions about Jack. Okay. Fortunately, I was the first grandchild, and I was born on his birthday. So oh. we remained... His birthday was what day? His birthday was April 12th. Wow. So we enjoyed many birthdays together. I spent a lot of time at Universal Studio with him. At that point, it was a very small studio, like family, and we just had a really good time going on the sets and having lunch mm-hmm. and just visiting people. Everybody loved him, so it was a great, great memory that I reserve to this day. It's really, really special. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to and then go back and just go over a couple things you just said, Catherine. So at what point did you know that grandfather was special? Probably when I was maybe three you know, I was young. We were very close, obviously. I was the only one, the only grandchild for a while. And then as I got older, he took me to the Hollywood Bowl. He took me to the studio, every place he possibly could. And then I had competition come in four years after that. But um, we went to Pig and Whistle on Hollywood Boulevard frequently, to movies on Hollywood Boulevard. Now, would he tell you a lot of stories when he took you? Like, would he point out something on, hey, that's that over there or how, or you would just would you just be oh this is so great I loved it. I, he was just grandpa I really Aww. didn't know what he did mm-hmm. I knew he worked at the studio he'd mm-hmm. been there a long time and he just knew everyone in the world mm-hmm. so I really didn't know and actually even when I visited the studio as an older child I never saw him work because it was quietly done mm-hmm. it was not really acknowledged and called anything other than just sound I guess wow. mm-hmm. Right, and did did any of his colleagues did when when you went to visit him there? I know you did. You said you didn't see him work, but did any of his colleagues talk to you and say, "Gosh, you know, he's incredible"? Just what did, what did they say? I guess what I'm trying to say. He would introduce me. This is my granddaughter because he never remembered names. 
And I knew, <laughs> see, John relates to that. Um, I didn't know what they did. He didn't have a team at that mm-hmm. point. He called in people on the lot who were available to come in and do whatever sound effects were very archaic, but easy for them to do to make the correct sound. A lot of walking. Audie Murphy was popular at that point. And uh, Rock Hudson, Tony Curtis, and some of the ladies who were light walkers. But that was his big start. Mm-hmm. And he just, he loved it. He just continued and went to school, USC, I think, to, to further his education and figure out what it was all about. And, and did he say that uh, some characters that he walked, or as we would say today, foleyed, in deference to him, had a certain something about them? Did you remember him saying anything about a particular character or characters? No, because I didn't know what he was doing. <laughs> but I know now, having studied his background, <laughs> that they were people with heavy foots, footsteps and women with lighter feet, somebody with fast feet, mm-hmm. and then the Audie Murphy type with cowboy boots. And this just kind of grew and grew, and I didn't realize it at that time. Mm-hmm. I seem to remember a story where he gave um, some advice to Walter Brennan. Is that true? He did. Walter Brennan was a very dear friend, a good Irishman, who lived out <laughs> here, not where we're living right now in Thousand Oaks. But they, he, I, remember, I do remember him saying you never get in an argument with Walter Brennan or discuss politics with him. But he was having a slow time, so he pulled Walter in to do a special step that he knew in his head but didn't know how to use it. So he suggested he put uh, a rock in his shoe and walk with a limp. And that Walter Brennan continued to use that, I think, through his own television series. That's and interesting. They, so in other words, we can say unequivocally that Jack Foley had mentioned to Walter Brennan that he might try putting a pebble in his shoe, and that's then the famous Walter Brennan limp. Wow. Correct, correct. Wow. Yeah, that's correct. fabulous. Love that. Correct. See, that's the type of stuff that I think people love hearing out there. And uh, Well, you knew about the Tarzan yell. I, you, you had told me once, and I forgot it, so please <gasps> tell us. He was a ex- very exquisite baseball fan and had many friends. I don't remember all their names except Bobby Brake used to take me to see the Hollywood stars when I was a little girl. But he remembered the yell, and they were doing Tarzan, I think, I don't even know what year this was for me, but uh, with, I think it was Johnny Weissmuller, and they needed a yell, a Tarzan yell, and he remembered the yell from the baseball game, and that became Tarzan's yell. Wow. That's fantastic. Yeah, they're always tuned in, and I think as well, you would know John as being a, a sound person that you're always listening for things and mm-hmm. picking up store things in the toy stores and <laughs> irritating your wife, you know, <laughs> doing. But that's you know they've always, they're always tuned in. They're always tuned in. Catherine, do you have a camera at my house? I mean, how do you know all this stuff? <laughs> <coughs> I think you've maybe been reincarnated, possibly. <laughs> I don't know. Well, that's great. Now. I'm going to back up a little more than two because I don't know the audience really knows uh, actually how much of a Renaissance man Jack was. Uh, if you recall, was he in the war? He was in the war. It was pretty secretive. He was sent up to Bishop, California to settle the the water problems up there, and no one knew, not even the family. Wow. But that's when he, I think he really became interested in theater, and the local theater wrote a couple of things. Uh, the children, the kids, there were two and a half at that point uh were, everyone was included in whatever it was then it was a family thing but he stayed there and became pretty well known he loved uh the bishop people it was a small town i remember him talking very very lovingly about teaching the indians up there to play baseball which was something brand new and probably can't say that now but he he had a, a lot of friends and until he died he went up to their big festival every october i think 
Right. I think uh, you had mentioned to me that he there's actually, as you said, a, a, a festival slash remembrance for him because not only did he go there, as you said, during the war to help out with the waterworks up there, but also he actually found that as a uh, location, did he not? He did. He did. He had been here in Hollywood coming from New York and had made friends, obviously, since he always did that. But um, Bishop was having financial difficulties. So he appreciated the Wild West and the beautiful mountains and scenery up there. So he thought, another idea from Foley. Why don't I bring some of these guys up here and let them take advantage of it? And that was the start of it. And he became friends with Father Crowley, who was the desert priest. I think he was he covered the whole area. I think there were three counties up there. And he wrote, Father Crowley started writing things. He had gotten to know him or part of his family, I think, in Hollywood. So everybody kind of pulled together. And now, of course, there's Lake Crowley up there. And he was, I think he was hit by a car or something. Oy. But he would travel from um, city to city, church to church every Sunday and, and say mass for the different residents of the area. Man, my goodness. And, and again, correct me if I'm wrong. Now, did not Jack, um, well, not only, as you say, he, he went up to Bishop and then, in a sense, helped find that location for, for Westerns, which, by the way, are my favorite things to work on, Foley-wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, too, he, did, he, did he not uh, work in, in directing or even writing? or what? I can't find Yes, it. all of the above. Ah. He wrote in Bishop, he wrote. When back at Universal, he wrote. Um, he did directing. He did whatever needed to be done. He would even do writing. He had a very ca- calligraphy, I guess you'd call it now, writing. And you would see his hand writing notes and stuff for actors that you'd see on the screen and, and not know where it came from. And you know, and I'm going to insert something here, not to take away from your time, but I think it it piggybacks to what you just said. That's so special about Jack. To me, the best Foley artists are actors. Mm-hmm. So Jack actually honed his craft in a sense before he had the craft, or mm-hmm. during the craft, I should say. So, because because knowing the actor language, you can then interject characterization into the footsteps which i believe are the hardest things to do but again not trying to talk over you or him but i just want the audience to know that i think that's fabulous that he was such a renaissance man and and just you know had so many things at his disposal that he he did assistant directing directing writing um and and that all came into play to create uh, the 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 foley that, that we know today and as you mentioned previous too that the my understanding was there was no um, name for the stage per se. Of course, today we say go to the Foley stage, but mm-hmm. back then it was I think they called it the the, the Sink A stage or the Sink stage. Don't Did even you know that, that, and I never heard that. I know it was done on stage ten. Uh-huh. I have some interesting pictures, which I will share ah, with you. Of him, good. I have no who, who idea who the rest of the people are, and then he did Showboat, but it was all done very. Wherever they had room, I guess, because there was no sound stage. And that's a good thing for you to bring up then. So t- tell us, why did he do Showboat? Do you know? Showboat was being done as a silent at Universal. And then down the street from Universal was Warner Brothers. And they were doing the first talkie, which I can't remember the name of it. Al Jolson. Okay, so Universal said, you know, we've got enough going on here that we, can, we need to make this into a, a sound picture. So he... Crude people somehow, I don't know, friends, people on the lot to come, and they set up some sound, uh, and then they combined it with the music, whatever was on the lot at that point, to, to make a go of it. And I don't know the results, but <laughs> I'm sure they're pretty archaic. 
Uh, it was the jazz singer. The jazz singer. But, and right. I had to look that up, folks. I'm sorry. My, my, my mind's yeah. gone. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so then uh, he, he, Jack, or well, actually there's the question. Did Jack recognize the, I don't want to say threat, but just the, uh, recognize the potential for the talkie versus the film they were working on? And, and was it his idea then, do you think, to add the sound? Definitely. Well, it was a studio. I mean, people, whoever, were, were running that and taking care of that movie. But he realized that sound was coming in, I think, because then he did take a class, I think, at USC. Interesting. Which he improved, and then he brought in friends, and he had his own little team of people working that were you know, his Foley men and then family. And my mother and you know, different family members would come in and do, do a lot of Foley sound. My goodness, it truly was a family affair, was it, it was, not? I think so, I think so. We have to get you on the stage soon. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well, that that's that's great. I mean, um, and and was there? Did he ever tell you a story then afterwards, or did you read one that's kind of your favorite? Like, wow, I had no idea he did that. I actually, it was for I knew as I got older that he that he was into sound, but I still never saw him work on the lot. But I was with him. I don't know if it was birthday or what, but I was with him on the lot and. Ross Hunter was doing Flower Drum Song. Very close set. I had just returned from school up in the Bay Area. He loved my grandfather. So he invited us in the back door. There was no press even invited. Well, they did Grand Avenue, San Francisco. That's fantastic. That was very special. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm just, that's fantastic. I just I don't even know what to say. That's, Speechless. Yes. That's yeah, it's, it's a very fond memory. Oh, my goodness. Um, now, I know, of course, you've done a lot of research uh, about Jack, which, of course, you know, you're the keeper of the flame, if you will. Not that we all aren't. <laughs> we all love him. I mean, I was just He's telling... you doing a great job, oh, too, guys. Well, <laughs> I was telling Sarah before we came over that, uh, um, you know, this man, Jack, really created an art form. Mm-hmm. Now, here, here's a question then, too. I don't know if you know this. Did Jack then... Did he also cut sound effects, do you know? I don't know that he was a cutter. Okay. He did a lot of things. He wrote for the, the studio paper. He did a lot of um, artwork, caricatures and things uh, for people. It was his love. He really wanted to become an artist. He came to the West Coast looking for artwork and looking for baseball, and his family said, you know, this is never going to work. But he, was, he enjoyed people so, and one of my fondest memories at the studio is outside of a commissary, we would go for early lunch and then sit on the bench outside, and I've been hoping to put a bench where we sat, but the whole studio has changed now. But people would stop, Gregory Peck, the gardener, anybody would stop and give him bits and pieces for, to put in his article that was going to be in the paper. Wow. Now, do you know the name of the, um, was it a periodical or what? It was just a column of Studio Club News that came out, and it had births and deaths and studio work that was being done and, you know, visitors and new people and, you know, typical, typical small town at that, you know, at that point. I, t- I see. Now, did he use a nom de plume, or did he use his name? Or He used Joe Hyde, who was um, he was a caregiver of the gardens and whatever, who used to walk around with his wheelbarrow and, and shovel until he died. And then he, then he changed to something else, and it was out, and he changed to something else. But people would call him and often stop. You know, the, we had interesting people stopping by the lot or stopping by our bench to sit and tell us, do you know Jack, you know? So Wait, cool. that, that just evokes in me uh, something like, you know, in the Midwest of sitting on the porch and having the neighbors walk by. What it was like. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So so to, to get this straight in my head, um, Jack wrote a column 
but not under his name. Correct. <laughs> Correct. And uh, and it was this other gentleman. What was his name again? Joe Hyde. Joe Hyde. And uh, but then when Joe passed, I guess he felt that maybe it was not that was not correct so they brought it back right. to his name then do we do we know the title of the periodical or was it just kind of like the universal news or do we even know it was universal news uh he had two of them one was and that's the way i heard it and then there was a second one and i don't know which is before which after he he died oh that's right so in other words the actual um his column if you will one was called uh, that's the way i heard it right and the other one we weren't sure what that is but he, at the same time, when he was up in Bishop, he had written a column for the Inyo Register up there. Really? Same type of a column. Mm-hmm. And then he had the jumping jack. Tell, tell us about the, the jumping, jumping jack. jumping jack, he claimed, and I believe till I was probably 30, that he they caught this rabbit and put horns on it. So we had the jumping jack oh, with the horns that, you know, until probably the 60s remained up in Bishop. I think it was in the liquor store there. And I don't know, it's probably poor thing dead by now, but... Uh, it was his little, his friend, and he actually used that in the studio paper, too. I have pictures of it. That sounds like a jackalope. <laughs> well, that's what they called it, a jackalope. <laughs> and I thought it was a one and only, but I've seen postcards from Albuquerque, and so they're around. It was a very busy, busy wow. jackalope. That's that's crazy. Now, um, well, Jack was born where now? I'm not quite sure I remember He was that. born in New York, and he's was a very proud New Yorker. He loved D- Dublin, Ireland. He loved, so I... Going to Ireland and did the, doing the documentary and the interview over there was very special. Mm. But in any other family, you know, and but St. Patrick's Day was very special. And when he did receive one of his awards, um, they played an Irish jig and he actually went up on stage doing an Irish jig. I was very embarrassed because I was very young. <laughs> but it was it was a thrill. Everyone got very excited about How it. How fantastic it. is yeah. that? Yeah. Oh my gosh! I wish there was pictures or, or, or video of that. That's that's just too good. Well. It, is, if I can ask, is there a picture in your mind? So, in other words, if you, if I, I said to you, uh, can you describe Jack to me? W- what would that picture be? Jolly old loving man who just—I don't think he ever had an enemy in his life. He just loved the world. We moved a lot with my dad's job up the coast. We were living in Merced for a year. He knew people from Bishop would come over to visit him. We were up in the Bay Area, up in Berkeley, and he knew so many people in San Francisco. A lot of movie people. Uh, Ruth Dwyer had a talent agency, and she was in San Francisco. She's an all-time actress. I don't know how far back she went. And Bill Jackie was her husband, and he was, I think he was a comedian. I didn't know that until just a few years ago someone told me, but we would go, and he would love to have all the seafood you could possibly eat in San Francisco, and then (laughs) top it off with an ice cream soda. (laughs) (laughs) Ice cream was his reward for kids coming in to help him do Foley, for everything, you get an ice cream cone. Well, did he have a particular flavor? I think probably chocolate. Okay, well, good, good man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it stayed with me. I inherited that too. So, and uh, again, I, I should remember what was Jack's full name? John Michael Donovan Julian Foley. I've been trying to figure out the Julian in all my research. Cannot figure out that is not Irish. I don't know where that comes from. Interestingly enough, I was reading a story on about Pat Boone. And his wife's father was Red Foley, was uh, he was a, a Western singer or something. I think so. And I don't remember his whole name, but it had Julian in it. And I thought, oh, and I contacted Pat Boone's office in Beverly Hills, got his secretary very excited, send us, you know, email, whatever, with all the information you have. And I never heard from them. So either they don't know or they just don't want to get into it. I don't know. 
Yeah, I get, I, I, yes. It's well, a strange name to have for and I, that whole, the rest of it I can figure out. Yeah, you know, Julian's it's like almost French or something. I don't you know? know, I have no idea, but <laughs> to have that, see it again. Yeah. Who knows? Hmm. Now, I've seen pictures of him. Again, I, I just want to try to put this out there for the audience. I have him sitting on, I think sitting on a step of the stage or maybe a, a, a stoop somewhere where he has a, a top hat. It's on our back porch in Sherman Oaks, California. Ah. Okay. Let's and see. what else was he wearing? Let's see. He was wearing a top hat, probably had a glass of wine in his hand, and there's a tiny little blonde head next to him. It was yours truly. That would be you. That's yeah. fantastic. And uh, so he likes cigars? He likes cigars. Unfortunately, he has cigars. And he liked to eat all the things that you shouldn't do. He, I can still see him to this day forever after Thanksgiving, just killing the bird, picking every little piece of Flesh you could possibly imagine off of a bone with a little cheese and a glass of wine. Well, he did go through the Depression, did he not? I think. <laughs> I think he did. <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I could, I could kind of understand that because uh, my mom did too. So, mm -hmm. uh, well, I think it's really incredible that, uh, you know, he has created a whole art form. And, you know, I just, um, I just think it's fabulous that you, you know, you... I've done so much research to try and, you know, help keep his heartbeat alive, if mm -hmm. you will. Mind you, I, 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 I'll tell you, every time I drive through the gate where I work, I say thanks to two people. Thank you, Jack. Thank you, George. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just so you know. Good, good idea. Good idea. Good idea. So. And I think they would have gotten along famously. They okay. both love the industry, so I, which is what he just, he loved it. He loved it with his heart. Well, and you know what? You, I mean, I, b I believe that, especially when you tell me, you know, here's a guy that, um, you know, he he was a, he was an actor. You know, he wrote. I mean, you know, just, that's, he yeah. loved it. He loved it, and he often said that, and now it's kind of surfacing in this documentary that was done, what, two years ago? You were part of that. Correct. As the um, Actors of Sound. Actors of Sound. And then he used to say that, and I, you know, and I watched uh, Warner Brothers when I was with you one day, but these people are so intent on watching every little movement on the screen so they can fill in and make it sound so realistic that it is it's an acting form it's an art form now when you um, found out what he did did you think hey grandpa can i do that no oh. i never <laughs> actually i did want to work at the studio one summer and he said i don't want you around these people okay. too many too many wolves okay you know, a lot of wolves around so when you're right. a high school girl you don't want to do that so like that smart move grandpa do you have a favorite movie that he's done or a favorite sound that he's created do I have to talk about this? People always ask me because <laughs> Operation Petticoat is the one I don't like to talk about. You don't have to talk no, about I, it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, Operation Petticoat was just um, a light film made about a pink submarine with Tony Curtis and I can't remember who. Cary Grant was in it. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. It was a, just a really light, cute movie, but they had an old submarine that they had to refurbish and use these Navy people, I guess. And they couldn't come up with the sound for this whole ship because they were really having to beat up this poor thing. He did. And I didn't know this until several years later. But he burped. And they reversed it <laughs> on the camera. And that's what the sound is. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait, I'll make sure I get this right. So Jack, they, they were trying to get a sound. I guess they wanted to make the submarine sound uh, like it had, had problems. Yes. I guess, mechanically. I guess, I guess. Well, I guess. So he recorded himself burping? And they reversed it. Yeah, they reversed it. And, I, you know, I've talked to other Foley artists in the, who have used 
bodily functions of different kinds, and you maybe have two, to get in that perfect sound. And Spartacus, we'll get off that subject. Spartacus, <laughs> um, Spartacus ha uh, had a problem with their the sound, all this, the uh, the soldiers marching, mm -hmm. and rather than having to go back to Spain, he picked up keys. He had keys to all of our houses, and he used that and uh, made the sound and saved Kubrick. I think like thousands of dollars. He was eternally grateful for that. I remember you telling me that story. In other words, he. Uh, the, the marching of the Roman legions. Correct. Uh, for whatever reason, the, the original sound recorded on location was not good. And, and they were pulling their hair out. We have to go back over there and reshoot the scene because mm -hmm. of that. And Jack said, well, let me take a stab at it. Mind you, this is my take on what you told me. Mm -hmm. um, let me take a stab at that. And took the keys out and did that and the other tricks. And there it was. It worked. It worked. He loved doing it. He loved the challenge. I love the challenge. That's fabulous. That yeah. is just fabulous. Any kind of challenge. Yeah, it's very interesting. He had spent, when he was in Bishop, um, on the Circle K Ranch with Jill Kinmont and her family. And I talked to her. She passed away, unfortunately, a couple of years ago. I had never met her. I called up the operator in Bishop because there was a, a, a student at Columbia University doing uh, a little play, I guess, Foley play, for a project at school. And she wanted a little lifestyle before he went into the studios, so um, I had to call many, many people. A lot were gone, but I called Bishop, and I said, can I possibly speak to Jill Kinmont? And they put me through. So I had a nice visit with her. Um, two movies were made about Jill. Jill was a skier. She does not but vaguely remember my grandfather because she was so young, but she went on to ski and broke her back Ooh. and was paralyzed and has done incredible work, from writing to artwork, was a teacher, she was just such an inspiration to so many people. Oh, absolutely, when so you can take a situation like that and flip it and turn it around completely. It. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And, and you know, it's interesting you're saying that now, Catherine, because that's kind of swinging around to the somewhat the point of what this podcast is about. Outside, of course, hearing your stories about Jack, but also hopefully younger people are listening to this. Uh, what we're talking about here, and just knowing that um, you you can do it. You know, I mean, if if yeah. if you ever let's just let's just get in the time machine, the three of us for a second or four of us, excuse me. Let's for the let's for the moment. Let's just get in the time machine, the four of us for a moment, go back. And all of a sudden there's Jack. If we were to ask him, Jack, what's the one thing you would tell a young person? What do you think it might be? Never say never. And, you know, I, I was I was telling her just a little while ago, love people, even if there are things about them that you don't like. They've got to have something that will connect with you and take advantage of it. Cause I he think that's a generational thing because that's, that what you just said is what my grandma would say. Mm -hmm. She always said to me, you know, find one thing to compliment about a person. Exactly. There is one thing in somebody. <laughs> and even if you don't tell them, if you know in your heart and you react to the way they act, it show, brings out the best in them. And, uh, of course, now that we're in the time machine, you've asked that question. I'm just going to say to Jack, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Are we eternally grateful to his, his, his vision, wit, and, you know, just the, again, never say never. Never because, say never. Because, you know, the idea of taking, you know, sounds, recording them, you know, uh, in a way that, that he did, you know, really helped move filmmaking forward and certainly uh, created custom sound effects because people ask me sometimes well what is foley so well they're really custom sound mm -hmm. effects 
because they're just happening at that moment to that particular scene. So God, God bless. That's all I can mm. say. And look where we've come today. I was thinking before you arrived, you know, in the 1920s, they were pulling their hair out trying to come up with sounds and good light or good te- camera work or whatever. And here we are sitting around a table talking and it's going to be, where does it go into a podcast? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, Wherever it is it's it like night and day. It's just unbelievable. Right. He would right. never have known what a podcast was i've yeah. got a feeling it's either on your left or right shoulder now i'm not sure which that's my that's my guess and uh yeah. well gosh i think um i'm just going to ask a couple other questions to, to to wrap up and or make some observations um one would be uh if it's okay if anybody in the audience had a question maybe they could uh, point it towards the um the website and maybe we could shoot you a couple questions it's fine sure it's uh, fine. We, okay appreciate that and obviously, appreciate you taking the time today, uh, allowing us to come into your oh, home and, and, and talking about Jack. And um, he's still with us. I agree, he's still with us, and and I'm eternally grateful, as I say. Mm. As I, I'm telling you, when I drive in the morning, thank you, Jack. Thank you, George. And look, we are a beautiful spot. <laughs> and but he was happy on stage ten with his little crew of production people that came from sweeping the floors or doing whatever, getting this started. But he was, you know, what I call when people say he invented sound. I said no. He was a pioneer. He had ideas, but he brought in a lot of other people to work as a team and get it started. Boy, I'm glad you said that because that is a key to life, too. It's not the individual. Uh, in fact, there's no I in team, <laughs> that, that word, T-E-A-M. Right, that's there's right. no it's I. teamwork. So, well, again, I want to thank you very much for taking your time to be at the right scuff. And um, we'll keep you posted on, and just, uh, as always, uh, lots of love. Thank, thank you. you very much. Love to you guys, too. Done a good job. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Right Scuff. We hope you enjoyed this one. If you liked it, be sure to subscribe. If you need more information, go ahead and check out our website, therightscuff.com. You could visit our YouTube channel where we do our prop of the week. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you in our next episode.